Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hey folks, this is Tom Castles from Broken Healthcare. That's the podcast that strives to examine, diagnose, and propose a treatment plan for our ailing healthcare system. Now, in this podcast, we cover just about everything that causes people pain and suffering, and we do it through these really deep character dives and immersive stories. So when you've finished this episode of Hit Like a Girl, come check us out at Broken Healthcare. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they overcome challenges, work they're proud of, advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much more. I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts. Today, we're sharing the conversation we had with Sherry Stoltenberg, CEO of Stoltenberg Consulting. She's built up strong remote IT support teams to help hospitals and healthcare organizations across the country. She also shares her experience with mentorship, which we really appreciate. We learned a lot from her and think you will too. So let's get started. My name's Sherry Stoltenberg. I started a company 25 years ago been in healthcare IT, I hate to say it, for like 33 years, it seems, but it is what it is. And I actually started, uh, if you can believe it, as a pharmacy technician before I moved into training in a hospital that was going live with a Technicon data system. So that gives you a little idea of my background. So I've got the healthcare side and I've got the IT side. i never finished I have a degree, but it's not in, in information technology or computer science. I didn't have to finish that. Instead, I moved into a lot of other programming and health IT specific certifications. So I think really the key piece is I actually kept seeing things in hospitals where it, I felt like things were being held back. It was not a fast enough pace for my liking. I went to work for a vendor, shared medical systems for eight years, and I actually did the rollout of Envision, which was their flagship software offering. And once I did that, I actually became a director in a hospital in in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I really found it to be way too slow paced. So there were things that I kind of felt like people who would really do exceedingly well and 
grasped all the concepts of moving healthcare IT forward kind of got pushed, I don't want to say pushed down, but a little bit because of the way hospital pay scales back then were, and believe me, this was a long time ago. I've had the luxury of seeing what's happened in healthcare IT in the last 33 years, and it is significant. So at the age of 35, I decided to take a leap because I really felt, I actually had people calling me constantly, please come back out, (laughs) you know, please (laughs) come into the vendor environment. Can you help me manage this huge project I have? So I finally said, okay, I'm going to write what I think should happen in healthcare IT. I presented it to the hospital I was at, and they basically said to me, you know, frankly, you're better off going off on your own. Because I had a contract in, in one hand and, and my business plan in another. So I went off on my own actually to solve a few problems. And that was really to be able to provide extremely good customer service and, and service overall to the end users or the healthcare providers in the field. So that's always been our goal. And we wanted to make it as simple as possible. Hence, you'll see our tagline is simplifying healthcare technology. In 25 years, that has not changed. That has been what we really work to do every single day. And there's many ways you can do it. So a couple things that I, I know that your audience might be interested in is the whole mentorship aspect. Being a woman in the 1980s in healthcare IT and trying to rise through the ranks, not necessarily the simplest thing to do. But the good news is there was opportunity there. And by having to overcome challenges early on in my career, and and we don't have time today to go over what all of those are, but you really need to be adaptable and You can't look at yourself as anybody different. Like, so if there's a guy sitting next to you, you got to look at yourself the same as he is. And I frankly believe women are just as good, maybe sometimes better. Yeah. We multitask better than men in many ways. And I think my husband would tell you that's the case. At any rate, when you look at those pieces and you look at mentoring a woman, I always go back to this analogy and say, you're looking at somebody's resume. If a guy writes the resume, you'd think that if he was part of a team, he was the only one on the team. If you look at a woman's resume and she was part of a team, she uses words like assist, member of a team. When you receive that resume as somebody who's a hiring manager, which one looks better to you? The one that looks like they walked on water and they were the only person that did this? Or the person that was a member of the team. I would say it depends on who's looking at the resume. But I actually, when I would mentor women, say, if you did this, write it in such a way that they know you did it. Even if you were a member of a team, there are pieces, every member of a team has specific pieces that they are outstanding at. And that's what you have to look at. That's what you write. I really believe it comes down to looking at, at how you portray yourself on a piece of paper and then being able to clearly articulate that when you're speaking. So I'll leave that for now since that's not the whole topic that we're going to talk about today. But if you look at the piece of the healthcare puzzle, it is definitely, it can be crazy. But I can tell you from my, my experience and my feeling is puzzle pieces are a lot like gears. They work much better when everything fits together. 
So at Stoltenberg, our piece of the puzzle is to support the people that are providing patient care. And there are several ways that we go about doing that. And I will add that over 25 years, those have never stayed stagnant and they change all the time. So you have to keep one foot ahead of what's going to happen next or you will be out of business, frankly. So the ways that we go about doing it is through our advisory services, where we actually help hospitals figure out strategy, things they need to do. Also, besides that, we actually look at vendor selection. We're very agnostic in our vendor selection techniques. You know, we're not beholden to anybody. We are a privately held company with no stockholders. I don't have any venture capital. Therefore, we really are not beholden to anyone. The next piece I I would say is our implementation services. These are puzzle pieces, but this goes into our puzzle piece. So to make sure that the implementation of the software and frankly, the workflow works together so that the end users have a positive experience. And our optimization services, I mean, as I said, there's changes all the time. So, you know, we had meaningful use, what, 2012 through 15 or 17, I lose track. But now we're in an optimization phase in a lot of ways in healthcare IT. So our optimization services, they tie directly into what we are known for, I think, in the industry. And that's our best-in-class service desk and legacy support services. So optimization goes hand in hand with that. But there are some ways that you can do optimization that are, are very cost-effective and less of a burden on your current IT staff. So what we've done, as I said, in the last 25 years is we've dedicated only to the healthcare space. It's our focus and it's truly my passion. So that's amazing. We're always going to be known to provide those services in that space and we're willing to continually adapt and change. And actually, it's very, very exciting to be able to adapt and change if you are a person who can embrace change. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I answered your question well enough there, but that's the the puzzle piece that we, that's where we fit in the healthcare space. That is actually wonderful. Go ahead, Robin. I mean, for first of all, I want to just say I can totally identify with what you're saying. One, like on the mentorship piece, thanks for adding that. I think it's always important to say, you know, what it is you're responsible for and then being able to identify the results that took place because of your participation in whatever team. And on your consulting side of things, I really identify with that too. You know, Robin and I have our own health IT consulting business and it's nice to kind of be the captains of our and not necessarily be beholden to anybody else and to also be vendor agnostic and to be flexible and to be able to move at the pace of change and, you know, be in a position to navigate according to the context or, you know, whatever's happening in the waters. And probably now more than ever, and there's been a lot of change over the last 10 years, but seriously, right now there's so much going on. It seems so important to be able to kind of shift your focus or be flexible and optimize, as you're saying, your deliverables to what's actually needed. Robin, I'll let you take it from there. So, Sherry, I would imagine when you guys started out decades ago that, you know, you didn't have all of these offerings. Could you tell us 
a little bit about maybe where you began and how just observing these things and the needs in the marketplace and personally experiencing them yourself, how that, how that evolution came about in building an organization and even to the point where you identified a need for that mentoring program. Can you kind of tell us the organizational crux of where it began and how you arrived where you are today? Sure. The organization began, frankly, because when I left the hospital in Pittsburgh and I took on this contract, the contract was to move somebody from an HBOC system to a full, what you would know today as Siemens or Cerner Siemens, but it used to be shared medical systems, full system there. So think conversion, kind of like converting from I don't want to upset the Epic or the Cerner people, but let's say Epic to Cerner or Cerner to Epic, and that way they can all be happy. That was the first assignment I had, and I was going to manage that. Because I had such strong relationships and Siemens themselves knew me, there was only one project manager, and that was me. So I directed the whole piece. There was no Siemens after they found out that I was going to take the hospital side, they were like, look, we'll just let her take the whole thing. She knows how to work through everything. So that's how it started. And when I got in there, you know, it was a scope that basically was like, hey, I need you to come in and manage this. But as soon as I got there, you know, I saw a lot of deficiencies. There were some, I had the ability to hire consulting firms if I wanted to. And I did. I hired two consulting firms. And it's interesting because they'll tell you anything when they when you're going to provide money to them. <laughs> Which yeah. I mean, I guess it's similar today because that's what I do now. But mm-hmm. what happened is um, I hired two consulting firms and I found that I didn't frankly like the way they treated their people. I didn't find that they provided much training. They required significant amount of hours. And you have to understand how long ago this was. And the only way they could get the bonuses were long hours. So, but long hours don't mean productive hours for the client. So I really sat down and said, okay, you wrote this business plan. And the business plan that I wrote originally, I should have told you that a little earlier, was to create a a for-profit arm of the hospital I was working at to actually do consulting services to smaller regional hospitals. And back then, it wasn't like everybody was at each other's throat and competing and merging and all that. You know, it was slightly different landscape. So it would have worked very well. That's what the business proposal was. And then the reason that I did it was actually to help my staff so that I could pay them the way, the way they were worth being paid. Because in a hospital system... They do these grades, it's grading, and you might be familiar with it, but what happens is people truly aren't compensated based on their performance. They're compensated within a grade range, probably similar to the way the military does things. So if you have an outstanding performer, you can't bump them way up, not like working in a business. You have to stay within parameters. Well, so I had some people that are frankly, I inherited that were pretty much slackers. And then I had great performers. The problem was very simple. And you could imagine that I'm not a socialist. So if you think about it, if you, you know, I always go back to an analogy where you have like a professor who decides that, you know, people, they want everything to be fair and equal. Okay. So if you want it fair and equal, then that means how about we take 
everybody's grades, average them together, and that's the grade you get for the semester. So if the class says, yes, I'm good with that, what you find, and if this is proven, as you go through the semester, the top performers go, well, crap, I'm not going to get that grade anyway. So why, you know, I'm going to work on my other classes that are not doing this. And why should I continue to perform unless you have a strong will within you just to perform and get those A's. So what you find is the overall average of the class goes down because they're not going to put as much effort into it. So basically, the bottom line is that's the way I felt hospitals were paying. They were keeping everybody equal. That's the biggest reason that I looked at how can I provide better compensation for my employees and better customer service because if you give them that ability, they're going to want to do a better job. So anyway, that's really what the business plan was about. But I I went off and did this um, piece for a friend, which was a huge implementation. And what I found was the consulting firms they were just killing their people. So I created, I sat down and said, okay, how would I want to perform in a consulting arrangement? And I came with, up with, um, like I said, we don't really have time for it today, but I have <laughs> an entire business plan that I put together. And it was really like, let's get the maximum productivity out of the time that people are spending. So the goal is, to make consulting a career path instead of back then it was a stepping stone. Like, so you would, you'd last about 18 months and you'd be totally exhausted because you were overworked and you traveled everywhere because you didn't do anything remotely back then. So I put together a plan to do that and then education and, and where would you go from here? So that's really, I've always looked at things in that, in, in that way. So when you talk about the mentorship program, let's now slide forward to meaningful use. So if you look at meaningful use, what would the goal be? I mean, okay, so let's say, is it helpful if you're going to provide services in meaningful use and all you do is steal from other people's organizations or from the hospitals that you're trying to help? That makes zero sense. We, you know, we needed tons of people in the healthcare IT area. And the only way to get them is either bring them in and educate them. That was probably the most, the best way to do it, bring them in and educate them, or you're just going to steal from one another and it's going to be a constant struggle. You're, it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. So the goal for me was to create a mentorship program because Frankly, when I was older, I wanted younger people to to fill my shoes at some point to be able to continue to propel healthcare IT forward. So I actually looked at two different universities. I still work with one university that happens to be my alma mater. And I was looking for people who were going to graduate, young professionals that would graduate in something that had to do with healthcare but also business. So might not be the best thing to hire the RN or the, the pharmacist, but someone who had a business mind and was trained in business, but also understood the healthcare side of things. So you weren't having to teach them how healthcare worked. And take those people, and frankly, they all know technology better than most people my age. 
So you're really not having to teach them too much technology. And then move them through vendor training and a workflow and so on and so forth and be able to put them in these meaningful use areas. Because if you think about the stuff that happened in meaningful use, some of it was a little monotonous. Well, if you take somebody who's brand new to healthcare IT, they're okay with doing monotonous because they're so excited to just be working at it. So that's what we did. They went through a training program and then we were able to put them in implementations in places where we could verify that they knew, knew how to do all these things, provide some cost savings to the client. And that was really a mentorship program to move young people into the healthcare IT space. So I don't know if that helps, but that's one of the ways we've done it. And, and I can tell you that when meaningful use was over, we continued that program. And now what happens is those people who get hired, they have to spend at least a year, more like two years on our service desk. That way they really understand how to approach the customer. What I find in the younger people today is they have the technology down pat. And actually a lot of them are pretty good in the healthcare space. They need to better understand workflow and they need to understand how to speak to the end user, that provider, because there's definitely an age difference. So we train on that. And so we continue to move in that direction. That's, I don't know if that helps, but, but that's how we handled mentorship in many ways. Other than training on an EMR and helping, you know, cutting my teeth in that space, meaningful use was really my first introduction to policy uh, many, many years ago. And so, but it was the experience of dealing with different end users from the front office to the back office, the physicians themselves and what mattered to them and how to relate to them and that time spent in learning the different systems, the roles and the things that stakeholders cared about. So you could be efficient and effective is so critically important. So I like, I guess, kind of the style, for lack of a better word, of, of what you've done to help shape that because, you know, we can certainly relate to that in our day jobs and what we do. So I kind of like the method to your madness. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt, but we wanted to let you know about a way you can support Hit Like a Girl podcast directly. We've partnered with Patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, as a way for us to connect with our listeners and fans in a direct way and ask them to support us so we can continue creating more great content like this episode you're listening to. Patreon.com is not so much of a one-time contribution, but more like a subscription to provide support to independent creators like us. Patrons who pledge even just $2 a month give us the stability we need to continue producing podcast episodes. In return for your patronage, we're offering virtual high fives, personalized thank you notes, and even shout outs on our episodes. When you become a patron of Hit Like a Girl podcast, you're supporting our channel directly, so we won't be making podcast episodes for some viral audience or for ads. We're making them for you, our listeners. This allows us to focus on topics related to women, healthcare, and technology. With your support on Patreon.com, we're able to spend that time having meaningful conversations and doing more great work that can positively impact the lives of other women in healthcare and tech. So join us on Patreon.com and let's make something amazing together. Transitioning to our second question, we like to kind of consider the future and what is possible. And so, you know, you've seen a lot throughout your career. If And as you'd mentioned, you know, even kind of getting frustrated sometimes with the pace of change. If you could, 
you know, magically snap your fingers, wave a wand, you know, rub a genie in a bottle, that sort of thing, have any wish and not have any of the major obstacles actually be an obstacle. They're all taken away. What problem in healthcare or health IT would you solve and why? In order to approach this, I'd like to take a slightly different approach. So I will give you the answer to the magical what I would do if I had no problem in healthcare. But frankly, we do have a problem today and we do have a COVID crisis. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that and it'll lead right into my what I could do if I could do anything. Okay. When you have the magical piece of the world where you have no problems, it's not really realistic. So here we are faced with a a pandemic and that in itself has provided challenges and opportunities, especially for Stoltenberg. So our traditional consulting work suffered because of the COVID-19 piece because, you know, nobody's going on site. It's been very interesting. But our service desk, which actually, and this is going to tie right into my magical world piece, our service desk, which is actually, in my mind, any service desk should be like a support desk. It should be able to help clients in many different ways. So that's what we've been able to do. So my staff's been working tirelessly on providing services to our clients and others in the healthcare community. Like, you probably could go out and see some of our articles where, you know, we offered to provide remote access support. Imagine a hospital that has got sick patients coming in that they're trying to care for, and they've got to get all their support services staff remote so that they don't all end up getting sick. So those are one. Of, that's one of the the opportunities that we had, and we're able to do that through our service desk. So if you think about that just the influx and the adjustment of that staff at the hospital, it was intense. So what we did and what we're continuing to do is flexing up our service desk staff. Remember, we're already capable, very capable, best in class capable of doing things remotely. So we started offering those services early on to help our clients and actually others in the healthcare community and outlining the ways that we could help. So we put a lot of stuff out there for that. And we've pivoted at Stoltenberg to do things differently during this crisis. And I think that you have to be able to pivot. You've got to be able to be nimble and be able to maneuver. So we've happily pivoted to, uh, and I'll give you an example. We have a large organization in South Florida It's a Baptist South Florida, and they were just starting their service desk implementation with us. And it was for one hospital and all of their physicians. And they're huge. They are not a tiny place. We figured out, we worked on something for them, and we actually were able to come up two weeks early with them, with this organization. And originally, we were planning anywhere from 7,500 to 9,000 calls a month with their one facility. We're now taking 18 to 20,000 calls a month. We came up two weeks early and completely revamped the implementation to because in South Florida, they're getting tons of COVID patients. So their staff is exhausted. And their concern was if their staff already being run down, got sick, what would we do? So 
that was one of the things I'm super proud of my organization. And it, it's not me, but the people that are working within the organization to be able to do that. It was a ton of work. But if you can't solve the problems that the clinical staff and the doctors need, then they can't provide the patient care that's needed. So, you know, we had a ton of training to do, worked weekends. I mean, because it's not effective if you just put somebody on the telephone. That doesn't make you best in class. You've got to have trained people that can actually answer their questions or no one's going to call the desk. That's key. So now I'll move into being a magical world. If I could solve any problem in healthcare or healthcare IT, what would it be and why? I think this overlaps into healthcare and healthcare IT. So I'll answer it this way. It would be to create a service desk that's very support, a very supportive help desk that did end user on demand training, build work, optimization work, patient portal support in several ways, including results, referrals, and financials, and support other areas and such as facilities management and care management within the healthcare organization. So very much focused around what I term as a support desk, but moves out into the other areas of the organization. So in a care management setting, we may be making sure that patients have insurance in a facilities management setting with all the hospitals that are now currently, you know, they've got tons of buildings and different facilities, but they all tend to do things in a decentralized manner, which we could solve for them. And then there would be support there 24-7, 365. We're actually well on our way to achieving this. That's the good news. And the key piece that I always keep in mind is, and this does it, is we want to increase the end user and customer satisfaction and save organizations, not just thousands, but millions of dollars. And this, my magical world, it actually protects people from the outbreaks and pandemics because we've already mastered doing these things remotely. We did the entire Baptist South Florida implementation. And we think about it, we, you know, we do implementations for healthcare IT pieces. So we did the entire thing remotely with an implementation plan, with training, with tasks, everything you needed to do a full scale implementation, but we were able to do it remotely. So my magical world, you have a desk that's actually a supportive environment that handles everything in many areas of the organization. And I think I told you why. There's probably three key pieces. There's insurance that if you have outbreaks and pandemics like this, it's not gonna be a problem. Save millions of dollars and provide better customer service and satisfaction to your organization. It's pretty much it in this nutshell. Yeah, I think if you talk about a, a proven return, something like that is ideal. And I think the human element to have that kind of support regardless of the end user, their role, the things they touch, that it's the, the return is exponential in a multitude of ways, including within the realm of the three things you touched on. So I really like that. And I think, you know, it's become kind of an unfortunate experience for us to see where people are, the point in which all of their learning capability and aptitude people are left when systems and EMRs and other things are introduced it's definitely lacking. And so there's so much ground to be made up. And so I'm so glad to hear you guys have made such progress in that space. It's so critically important to 
not just the end user, but ultimately those served on the other side, you know, the patients and their care partners that that are served by these things. Oh yeah, we actually do on demand, literally we'll do trainings, we'll create in the Epic environment preference lists for physicians. They can actually schedule time with us. It could be 12 midnight if that's when they'd like to do it and they can be at home. Doesn't matter where they are. So it, it's whatever's convenient for them. Like, why do I want to interrupt somebody doing their rounds or their office visits? I don't need to do that. With a, a true supportive service desk, you don't need it. And we, we obtained the highest score in partial IT outsourcing that anyone has ever done. But that is my goal. It's a passion. And we're going to continue to do a great job there. So, but, but literally we can show that we've saved millions of dollars for organizations. And it's not like we're taking away anybody's job. We're at the analysts, if they can see what we're doing, they actually embrace it because it makes their life easier. You know, it's a, a waste of time, 40 minutes to an hour. Every time an analyst is interrupted because something is wrong with the system or maybe a user thinks something's wrong with the system and they get called in to handle it when they're working on another project. Well, time is money. If you're getting interrupted and it's 40 minutes to an hour, it's not hard to do the math to figure out why are my projects falling behind? Well, they're falling behind because your staff is having to attend to other things that if you had the right service desk or partner in place, that would not be happening. Our first call resolution rates are through the roof too. So there's so many things I could talk to you just about the service desk and the things that we do in the knowledge base, our partnership with Dimensional Insights so that we can provide both IVR and the ITSM software pieces together in reporting. I could go, I could talk for quite a while on that, but I know that's not what you're looking for today. So hopefully that helps. Considering that time is of the essence and the quickly changing pace of you know what's going on right now, can you share with our listeners, like, what do you read? How do you keep up with everything? Is there anything that you particularly have your finger on the pulse of that helps you just maintain some sanity in, during these crazy times? Yeah, I can give you a couple things. I'll give you what I'm trying to read right now also, but it's a little slow because I've been a little busy. But my go-to book is so different from most people's business go-to books. My go-to book happened a long time ago when I was actually trying to figure out the way I wanted to approach developing an organization and a consulting firm. And that book is called For Love or Profit, The Art of Caring Leadership by James Autry. And and trust me, it's not on the bestsellers list anymore. It's, let's call it, it's my classic, but it's all, you know, it was written quite a while ago. And the other thing that I do, because sales cycles have changed, and I'm not, frankly, most of the time, I have a difficult time with business development type people because maybe there might be a little too much fluff or I used to call it vaporware when I was looking at vendors and their software. So I like people that are pretty true and down to earth, but the prospecting itself has changed especially because we're not dying to be the, you know, two billion pound gorilla in the room. So I actually like, it's called Combo Prospecting by Tony Hughes. So I've spent 
significant time with that. There's a few other books, but I won't bore you with them, but those are probably my two go-to. And the book that I'm reading, I just finished a book called Paradigm, which is very interesting. But the book I'm reading right now is called The Oracle, and it's by James Kahn. That's when I don't have anything else to do. So I'm not very far into that book. I mean, because, you know, this evening I'm going to can peaches. <laughs> <laughs> We're all finding creative ways to stay busy. Thank you very much for sharing with us some of your favorites. You know, I have read for Lover Profit. And, you know, even though I would describe it as an oldie, but a goodie. And I think a lot of people in healthcare and health IT have really deep-seated passion for what they do. So I definitely think it's a worthwhile read, you know, kind of exploring the whole nice guys finish last mentality and, and the way of the world at that point in time. I still think there are aspects and lessons from that book that certainly apply today, especially for anyone that just cares a whole heck of a lot about what they do. Sherry, tell us, if somebody wants to catch up with you, if they want to learn more about your consulting business that On Demand help you describe, or they just want to connect about your mentoring program, what are your socials? Where can people find you? How may they reach you? I mean, obviously, our website is Stoltenberg.com. Our Twitter handle is at StoltenbergCon. And you can find us on LinkedIn. And you can also find me on LinkedIn just by searching. And we have a Facebook page also, Stoltenberg Consulting. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for taking the time with us today, Sherry. This is We've learned a lot and this has really been a pleasure just to get to know you and your your work. So we really appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us or this guest, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle hitlikeagirlpod. Thanks again. See you soon.